Hello ladies and gentlemen this is Tamal from Radio Literuma I welcome you all in a brand new episode of a special segment of Spotlight named Twinkles Twinkles is dedicated to our young listeners across the globe In today's episode I have the best selling author Dr Urvashi Tandon back with me Dr Urvashi has served in the Indian Navy for 29 years she is a qualified doctor a recognized postgraduate teacher and examiner with Maharashtra University of Health Sciences ma'am is also a trained vocalist in Hindustani music and above all she authored two best selling books named potpourri stories for children and anna a special child hello ma'am thanks for taking time out and being with us a warm welcome to the episode happy to be back with you today to begin with we like to know more about the journey of dr urvashi tandon the author well my journey as an author i will have to say i began with initially i started writing professional articles for various international and national journals but uh, the first article i wrote which was non professional was for my hospital magazine it used to you know come out with an annual magazine and uh, i was asked to contribute to it and i remember putting up a travel log i had just made a trip to leh and ladakh so uh, uh, something i'd written on the kargil martyrs and things like that on the war memorial there so that was the first um, bit that i wrote and i realized i i liked the sight of my article in print and it felt very nice but progressing from just that travel log i later wrote something a piece on my father for one of the armed forces magazines for retired people and that was the first time i got paid for my article that was a little thrill whatever was it but everyone knew my father as a particular person i wrote from my uh, daughter's perspective he had retired as the chief of naval staff so he was well known so i just tried to put across the family man that he was so that was my second piece that i really wrote there was a time when i was working monday on my laptop and i remember my son who was an adolescent at that time you know how difficult adolescent children can be he came in in some sort of a you know foul mood and um, said things which were not very pleasant now me normally would have reacted or scolded him or said something i just since the keyboard was anyway in front of me the laptop i just started punching the keys on the laptop and i wrote something on parenthood you know i vented over there rather than confronting him and i realized this was a fabulous way of avoiding some sort of a confrontation and uh, still releasing uh, your emotions so it was a great way to give vent and uh, i started making an effort to start writing and of course once i you know retired from the navy this thought of writing for children was always there at the back of my mind and i had already to- thought of my first story in patpuri uh, anna and baz the bee the rest of course came later but then when i retired and moved cities from mumbai to gurgaon 
uh, there was a short interval before I picked up another job. So I completed about three, four stories in those four months. And uh, I was then determined that I was going to start writing. Meanwhile, I met a lady who had just founded, she was the founder editor of a women's magazine. And I met her through one of my spiritual groups. So while we got talking, she asked me to write an article, an article, a little piece on a certain spiritual modality that we had learned. So I said, why not? I wrote and it got published and it had readers. So one thing led to another. So I started writing articles for her based on me. There were also travelogues, which later got published on even CNBC TV 18 and um, blogs and stuff like that. But uh, what caught my attention really, or what made me even more determined to complete that book was I remember writing a blog on, um, you know, usage of disposable, uh, what we call paper cups. It's those little coffee cups that we get. And I had realized that these paper cups were not all paper, they were lined by plastic. So just to talk about, you know, environmental awareness and stuff, I wrote out an article on usage of plastic paper or these paper cups for coffee and how it made sense for us to carry our little steel mugs or some you know some sort of a to avoid that earthenware um, cups are very nice the ones that we call kulhar but a lot of people are a little skeptical about the cleanliness about it or the sterility of it so i wrote a blog on that and then i realized that the number of readers had fallen they weren't as many takers as for a travelogue. So that actually got me thinking and I decided to write more on uh, nature and environment for children. Because I realized that the adults were leading such a fast-paced life that they didn't have the time to stop and think about or read about something they already knew. It was not convenient. It's easier to just go to a store and pick up whatever you get off the shelf, etc. So, travelogues give you an idea for a break from your hectic schedule, something to look forward to. So, I realized that and then I decided, that's when I decided that it was important to probably target a younger age group and, um, you know, maybe instill values in them or awareness in them and they in turn might, you know, um, point out things to their parents and maybe that way it would make a difference. So that's how Potpourri actually happened and I was, and my writing, one thing always leads to another and avenues keep opening up. So once this first book got published, I started doing storytelling sessions in schools and uh, visited different schools also with the books. That itself was good fun. I love interacting with children, as I'd mentioned earlier. But I continued to do my little bits. I kept writing articles for anthologies, which was more adult, uh, you know, oriented or more towards the adult population of society. And I did a few, uh, you know, bits of poetry, entered a competition. There was a contest held by this magazine for women writers uh, all over India in 2020. So I participated in that and uh, they selected the top 25 they didn't rank anybody, which I thought was very nice. But they selected the top 25 stories and we got published in an anthology, which is which was titled Everything Changed After That. 
and yes they were all women oriented stories about struggles various women faced and how they overcame it but that was a wonderful experience because i got to interact with a lot of like minded people made a lot of friends so i enjoyed that thoroughly but yes that was a milestone it was nice to win something or be selected amongst the top few and uh, anthologies continued plenty of them various you know um genres of horror and romance and everything i mean short stories on almost every little bit but my heart always was um based on children's literature somehow i feel that's an area that's been neglected i even find um, parents not willing you know all these colored illustrations and books they cost money so parents are not willing to spend that much on a children's book but they will happily pick up pick up a self help book or something else for themselves not realizing the value that they could instill probably by giving kids something nice to read as it is reading per se is a habit which was you know it seems to be declining they are more gadget oriented now children so i think it's a habit that one should inculcate and i'm not talking in terms of just being an old timer in our times it was like this and now there are mobile phones and ipads and whatever have you but it actually is a good habit to inculcate and yes it's always nice to get into a dream or fantasy world na so this is something that i thoroughly enjoyed doing and uh, i continued so then i i finished with the first book and started working on the project of the second one and by the time of course the second one got done i already had a whole lot of ideas in my head but uh, the third book is happening though it's not for children <laughs> there is something that i need to do in between as well so my journey as a writer i think has been this way and avenues of open sea it was a completely new field for me i was a professional in the armed forces an anesthetist who had a very busy schedule so this is kind of uh, giving me an given me an insight to into a completely different world and uh, very honestly speaking i'm thoroughly enjoying it and i intend to keep growing i don't intend to stop with just these two books i have ideas for at least three more books for children in my head already so let me finish my third and then i get back to illustrated short stories for children so that's how it's been so far and of course you get an insight into marketing and publishing and these are areas which are absolutely i was completely raw to them so one lives and learns so that's a journey the journey will continue it's not ending anytime soon that much i can definitely say it really is an inspiring journey so it's story time now ma'am i'll request you to read out one of your favorite stories from the book potpourri So let me tell you about this young boy called Deepa. Deepa, a bright-eyed 7-year-old boy, was a happy child by nature. He was everybody's favorite and always got whatever he asked for. He had many friends and they all played together every evening in the cricket ground near his house. One day, It was raining heavily 
and the boys were forced to stay indoors. They decided to get together at Deepak's house. To keep themselves busy, they brought some indoor games like Monopoly and Scrabble, but soon got bored with them. Ashok, one of Deepak's dear friends, came up with a brilliant idea. He suggested they play with a bunch of marbles that he had brought along. His father had recently bought him those marbles. The idea of playing with the bright and smooth marbles appealed to all of them and they all agreed. Deepak was fascinated with the little shining marbles. One multicolored glittering piece caught his fancy. He would try and hold that marble in his hand at every possible chance he got. As the evening was drawing to a close, it was time for everyone to go back to their homes. Deepak was restless. He was overcome by an irresistible urge to possess that marble. And he did something very alien to his nature. He quietly picked up the marble when he thought no one was watching and put it in his trouser pocket. When all his friends had left, he pulled out the fascinating marble from his pocket and clutched it tightly with great joy. Soon it was dinner time and his mother called out to him to join the family for the meal. As the family gathered around the dining table, his mother noticed that Deepak was unusually quiet throughout the meal. He did not talk about how his day had went on as he usually did. It was that, that time of the day when the kids shared the day's events with their parents. Although his six-year-old sister, Sheila, seemed to have an inexhaustible store of events to relate, Deepak seemed preoccupied. Deepak's mother wondered what was bothering him. After the meal was done and she had cleared the dishes, she decided to spend some time with Deepak to find out. She went to Deepak's room and started talking to him, asking him about his day. He did not speak much, but she noticed that his eyes were bright and there was some underlying excitement. She prodded a little and Deepak showed her the marble that fascinated him. She was taken aback, which means she was surprised. But being a wise woman did not say much. She praised the beauty of the little glass marble and told Deepak that she understood why he had liked the marble so much. When she asked him how he would feel, if he were to lose the marble, she told him it needed to be kept very carefully and could only be handled by people he could trust as it would be devastating to lose it. She also hinted that the owner of the marble must have really trusted Deepak to let him handle it. That made Deepak squirm and he felt bad about having taken the marble. When his mother understood what he was going through, she asked him to return the marble to the owner 
and tell him that he had left it behind by mistake. The next day, Deepak did exactly as his brother had told him and was amazed at how light and good he felt. He happily returned home, eager to tell his mother about how good he had been. What a treat there was in store for him. His mother met him warmly and praised him for being honest. When he went to his room, he found a bright box on his bed. He opened it to find a whole lot of shiny, glittering, colourful marbles, red, blue, green, yellow and more. His mother told him they were his reward for being honest. Deepak was thrilled. He now had his very own set of marbles. So what did we understand from this story? If you make a mistake, it is always good to try and make amends. Sometimes you might get scolded, but in the long term, you are always rewarded for your honesty. The other lesson we get is that it is sensible and wise to listen to your parents. They always give you correct advice and always tell you to do something that would be best for you. So Deepak's mother did not let Deepak suffer because of what he had done, but she helped him to correct his mistake and see what a prize he got at the end. He was very suitably rewarded, don't you think? This is really, really thoughtful. Now it's the time to ask the audience question. Daniel Alexander from Spain had asked, Do you know any real-life Anna? And also, what are the key things as an author come doctor you feel the parents of special children like Anna should keep in mind? Well, I do not know any real-life Anna as such. Uh, but I do know or have met parents of um, other children who were similarly affected. They had bigger problems, of course. What I have depicted is a smaller range of an issue. Here the child is only physically handicapped. But for parents and families who deal with a child who has special needs, who is not just physically handicapped, but has problems adjusting, understanding and even coping with day-to-day -day activities is much tougher than what I have brought out. It is not very pleasant to face, you know, or read only about hardships. But the fact of the matter is that such conditions do exist. So what I have actually written about is a much a milder version which is also a possibility and much more acceptable because here the child is her mental faculties are intact she's talented and is it is easier for children to accept her but I would also like to mention that for those who find it even more difficult it's not as if there is something you know 
drastically wrong with those children and you're scared to handle them they have they have uh, people who are trained in special education you have people who you know work for the spastic society of india you have special courses and stuff like that one can volunteer but i also am aware of parents who have not been able to accept that their child might have an issue now the child doesn't know and neither has anything been done intentionally there is a little bit of a genetic twist uh, you know tweak that has happened which has caused some sort of a aberration from what we consider normal but what is important to remember is that these children may be specially gifted in various other fields they may not be able to perform academically as well as a regular child but they have talents that they develop uh, which are exceptional uh, i remember for example visiting an orphanage down in the south of india where you had specially able children you had people who couldn't see or those who couldn't speak they were deaf and dumb they were blind and um, some of them came from poor families but quite a few of them had been abandoned which actually is i mean i guess it's easier said than done when you go and meet them once in a while but it is still kind of strange to me to be able to accept that uh, parents you know are probably worried about what society would say or they probably do not want to take on the additional responsibility because this child would need additional help what was amazing was that some of these children performed so well academically they performed brilliantly um i remember as for an example i mean i had taken my son with me and he was communicating with one of these children who was writing on the board so that is how they communicated because he couldn't speak or he couldn't hear so he would write his questions on the board and my son would answer and i remember my son coming back really humbled and amazed to know that this child had scored so much better than him in his class 10 exams so it's not that just because a certain faculty a physical or a mental faculty is not as developed as your child or any of the other average children that you see that there is something wrong with this child he may have a faculty which is exceptionally developed because i remember some of these children showed us their paintings we had taken a few you know artwork books along with us we wanted to celebrate an occasion actually and they were fantastic they were amazingly talented they had put up some sort of a cultural program as well some of them were exceptional singers some of them were exceptional artists so it you can't write them off as a part of society that you don't want to look at because it may seem ugly to you or may not uh, you only want to be surrounded by what you consider normal i think that outlook has to change we have to work towards a more inclusive society and it's only when parents themselves can accept their children where that the other members of the family and their friend circle would be more accommodating so 
for those who abandon their children i would say please you i mean they are they are part and parcel of you and for those parents who struggle because they have a child who they love dearly and who is not uh, what society considers normal i would only like to say please don't lose heart because it is it is uh, sad that the others don't look around but i'm sure that when you you know persevere people will turn around because once you promote or encourage these children to develop whatever talents they have i am sure that they would be able to make people come around for those who have seen such people or such children around them i would like to reiterate just one thing there may be a little bit of a genetic tweak which may be related to a parental age may be related to anything and this is a situation that could happen to anybody the you know concept that uh, it is not my problem it is theirs and thank god it hasn't affected me doesn't work we are actually one big society we all are interconnected to each other and by just shutting our eyes and creating barriers we achieve nothing if we need to progress as a society or as a country or even we need to be more inclusive not just about disabled children this includes lots of other areas in society as well there are so many people we don't look at or we consider them outcasts or you know are scared to even associate with them but if we need to progress we definitely need to change our outlook and be more inclusive it is the action of the grown ups and adults that the children see and learn from so if you are more compassionate if you have more empathy that is what you will pass down to the next generation and that is what they will learn so all of us want our children to be the best in everything now the best in everything need not be limited to just academics and maybe monetary wealth because my kid or my son or my daughter will study hard will stand first and you know do go through all lengths to maybe undermine somebody get involved in cutthroatism because they have to excel and then once they are financially secure will they be comfortable this concept somehow has to change because uh, being financially secure is no guarantee that that child is going to be happy taking everyone along brings a different kind of joy which you you realize with time yes but if we can start inculcating this habit at a younger age just think of how much happier everyone around us would be i think that's an emotion which is somehow um, neglected in today's day and age of ra- you know racing ahead and needing to forge ahead and i would say the corporate sector is such that even the parents have started you know instilling this need of competition in children very young so and so scored more marks than you how come you have not done it i taught you all this how did you not answer this in your exam these are very routine um, statements that we hear almost every parent saying we need to start teaching our children to share somehow in our country we have this huge socio economic divide there are some people who are very well off 
and they're somehow completely deprived. If we learn to share, if we, you know, inculcate a little bit of this sense of giving, receiving, you know, love, blessings, uh, some happiness, we get joy out of giving as well, right? So if we inculcate this uh, in our children, not to differentiate so much, but I mean, I'm sure that our country could do wonders in progressing. So that's my view. Of course, it's a completely personal view. But I really do feel that it's um, the need of the hour. Differentiation and caste divides and, you know, things like this where so-and-so's kid is not okay. No, no, keep them away. You never know what this kid, because that kid says whatever. They don't know what they're saying. They may harm my child, etc. is... uh, I think not conducive to growth. We need to change that. And we need to always remember that what might have happened in another family can always happen in ours tomorrow. There is no such thing as it will not happen to me. This may not be limited only to diseases and illnesses. Issues that have been like what has been brought out can also happen. Nobody knows what comes across tomorrow. So it's nice to have an inclusive society. It's nice to teach our kids too. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. This brings us to the end of this episode. We'll be back pretty soon with a brand new episode of Twinkles with Dr. Urvashi. It's time to say goodbye. Signing off, this is Tamal from Radio Literoma.